Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Calvary Church. This, the second week of Advent. Isn't it great that through Christ we have peace, not only with God, but with one another, and that we can enjoy the blessing of relationship with God and one another. I'm very grateful for that. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. A modern retelling of that proverb might be that a person may have hundreds of Facebook friends, but there will come a time in which such a person will find themselves alone as their life comes crashing down around them. However, in times of adversity, there is such a thing as a true friend who will be with you and help you in times of adversity even more than your own family. The beauty of friendship is that it is a gift from the Lord. Which of us wouldn't want a Diana to go along with our Anne of Green Gables? Come on, ladies, I don't get any credit for that. <laughs> yes. Which of us wouldn't want a Sam Gamgee to go along with our Frodo Baggins. The idea of a true friend to walk with us on life's journeys, I think of a staff member here on staff at Calvary Church who I was asking about friendship, who talked about a time when he was moving from middle school to high school. And his mom took one of the prayer roses uh, that we had at the church and prayed earnestly for friends for this staff member. And here he is some 10 to 15 years later and he can't talk about that event and those friends without tears coming to his eyes. Which of us hasn't been blessed by a true friend, a gift from God to us? We've been talking together as a church about what it means to have an undivided heart, an undivided heart for the Lord. And what we mean by that is that not looking at outward appearance and not going through just the external regulations of being Christians, but actually having a heart that's passionate about God, seeing beneath the surface. Well, that same dichotomy between external and internal is true of friendships as well. That there are those surface friends, those acquaintances that we have. In America, we're good at that kind of friendship. We're good at acquaintances, even long-standing friendships, people that we know at a surface level. But Proverbs is telling us there is a deeper kind of friendship, a friendship that goes beyond the surface that penetrates to the heart, a friend that is there for you and walks with you, a true friend. This morning, we want to look at the concept of friendship as given to us by the Lord himself in his word. And so if you have your Bible, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to be looking at chapters 18, 19, and 20 this morning. As I've told you many times, we're unable to cover all of the verses here on a Sunday morning. So again, I encourage you, read through these chapters on your own, in your small group, with friends, with family, so that you might continue to be blessed by the richness of the stories that God has given to us today. We begin our passage in chapter 18, verse number one. While you're looking there, let me bring you up to speed. We're in the story of David now. 
David has just finished defeating Goliath. And Goliath is David's most infamous enemy. And it's interesting, on the day that he fights his most infamous enemy, David also meets his most important friend, Jonathan, Saul's son. Happens on the exact same day. And we pick up the story in chapter 18, verse number 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. And here in the beginning of chapter 18, at the beginning of this friendship, we have the opportunity to understand what God means when he talks about true friendship. Now when we think about what is friendship, what does it mean to be a friend, what does it mean to have a friend, how do we recognize true friendship? Well, one thing we could say about it is it's one person loving another person as they love themselves. Certainly that's part of it. It's in this passage twice. Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. However, I would suggest that that is not the definitive aspect of friendship because this is the second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. We're supposed to love everybody we come into contact with in the same way we should love ourselves, including our friends. So it's a part of friendship, but I don't think it's the definitive essence of biblical friendship. Likewise, as you're reading through this, when you get to chapter 19, it will say that Jonathan is fond of David. I think fondness is also part of friendship. The feelings of warmth and friendship towards another person. But that too, I don't think, is the definitive essence of biblical friendship. Instead, I think the essence of friendship is found in the very first verse. Jonathan became one in spirit with David. Literally, it means that David's soul and Jonathan's soul were bound together, that they were literally soul mates. And this is an important observation because we're not surprised that Jonathan and David would have their souls bound together because both of them, have a soul that is undivided in its love for the Lord. Jonathan, you remember, we talked about him a few weeks ago, how he and just his armor bearer led an attack against the Philistine outpost, saying to himself, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And we see into Jonathan's heart that here is a man who is passionate about the Lord. He has an undivided heart. He's totally and completely committed to God. Well, so is David. David, when he goes to fight Goliath, his heart and his mind is not set on Goliath or his circumstances or himself or anything else. He is fully and completely devoted to the Lord. His soul is sold out to God. Well, when these two men come together who have, both have an undivided heart for the Lord, they find very quickly that they are soulmates that their souls are headed in the same direction, that their souls have as the singular passion of their lives, God. 
And this is the important observation. Many of the things I'm going to say this morning could apply to friendships that non-Christians have. But at the essence of biblical friendship is this idea of when we have an undivided heart for God and we meet someone else who has an undivided heart for God, then our hearts will naturally be bound together. That there is no real Christian friendship apart from dedication and devotion to the Lord. That when you find yourself with a singular passion for God and you meet someone else who has that same singular passion for God, then your souls will be bound together. This is why we say of David and Jonathan that they are soulmates. Now at this point, we do need to address the unwarranted speculation that some today seem to assume that David and Jonathan perhaps had some sort of intimate physical relationship between the two of them. This is a very modern rereading of this text. It's completely unfounded. The word that is used for having your soul bound to another person is not a word used of romantic love. It is used of having a common unity and purpose. So much so that this same word is used when you have two people conspiring together to do evil. That if your heart is headed in the same direction as another person's heart, whether for good or for evil, your heart can be bound together. This is not a romantic word. It's a word about common purpose. After all, both David and Jonathan will marry women and give birth to children. And later on, when David says of Jonathan that the love of Jonathan meant more to him than the love of a woman, what he means is, is in that patriarchal society, that David never found any woman who was his peer who had the same sort of undivided devotion to God that Jonathan did. And that in Jonathan, David found someone that he could connect to at the very deepest heart level in his unity of purpose for serving the Lord. It's the depth of that devotion which shows us that this kind of friendship can transcend even family relationships. David and Jonathan are closer to one another than they are to their own families, even to their own spouses. And that's because in David's case, there doesn't seem to be anybody in his family or in the woman that he marries in this section who has the same kind of singular passion for the Lord that Jonathan does. Likewise, in Jonathan's family, after all, his father Saul. And there's nobody else in Jonathan's family who seems to have that same kind of singular passion for the Lord. And so David and Jonathan find themselves in a tighter union and a closer relationship than even they have with anybody else in their family. And that can be true for us today, especially for those of us who are here who might have non-Christian family members. We find that a true Christian friend, we have a stronger relationship with them than even we have with our own family members. 
That's why we say, or at least I like to say, blood is thicker than water, but spirit is thicker than blood. That if you find someone who is filled with the spirit of God, who is singularly devoted, you are going to feel closer to them than any family members you have who are not following after the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't have this kind of friendship with a family member. After all, this same kind of kinship language is used in the Bible of Ruth with her mother-in-law. Wherever you go, I'll go. We are bound together. Our lives are wrapped up together. That's the same language. Jacob, this language is used of Jacob with his son, Benjamin, that the two of them, their lives were knit together. It's used of a husband and his wife in Song of Songs. So I'm not saying that you can't have this kind of friendship with a family member. But what I am saying is simply because you are biologically related to somebody or related to somebody through marriage doesn't automatically guarantee this kind of friendship. What is then true biblical friendship? It is having your soul united to another person's soul in the singleness of devotion to the Lord. It is being kindred spirits. It's not simply having common interests or rooting for the same sports teams or having kids that are friends or working at a job together. Those are all nice things, but that's not really what gives us this kind of friendship. It's having your soul united to the soul of another person out of the singleness of purpose of the Lord being all in your life. Now, if that's what friendship is, how do we recognize true friendship? What does true friendship look like? How do you know if you have someone who is this kind of friend? Well, let me give you four characteristics from our passage of what this kind of true friendship looks like. First, a true friend defends you to those who are against you and seeks to reconcile you with them. A true friend defends you to those who are against you and seeks to reconcile you with them. Look over to chapter 19, verses four through eight. Now at the beginning in chapter 18, David's all uh, gung-ho, I'm sorry, Saul is all gung-ho about David. He loves him, he thinks he's great, he defeated Goliath. But at some point, David's popularity begins to grow and Saul becomes jealous. And Saul decides he wants to kill David. But look what Jonathan does in verse number four. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you. And what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. True friendship of Jonathan is seen that 
when his father speaks against David, Jonathan stands up for him. And more than that, Jonathan tries to reconcile his father and David again. Sometimes people who claim to be our friends see the struggles we're having with other people as opportunities for self-advancement. This especially happens when we think sometimes of high school or college age. We think sometimes of those relationships in which someone claims to be our friend. But then when the situation arises and someone's speaking against us and we're not there, they jump in and that's their opportunity to advance their own causes instead of ourselves. That's not what Jonathan does. Jonathan hears what his father is saying against David and he stands up to his father and he seeks to bring his father and David back together again. That's true friendship. Second characteristic of a true friend. A true friend is a servant. Turn over to chapter 20 and look at verse number four. Even though Saul promises he's not going to try to kill David, he quickly backs out of that promise and again seeks to destroy David who is serving at his court. David and Jonathan begin to work together to try to figure out how can we save David's life. And look at this statement that Jonathan makes in verse number four. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. Jonathan's not approaching this friendship to think, what can I get from David? What can David have to offer to me? How can he help me do what I want to do? Jonathan is looking at this friendship and saying, what can I do for David? How can I serve him? How can I be of help to him in the struggles and sufferings that he's going through? This Tuesday night, the elders got together we get together the first Tuesday of every month for what James 5 talks about, prayer and anointing with oil for those who are sick. And anybody is welcome to come and be prayed over. And this Tuesday night, among others, we prayed for a man named John. We anointed him with oil and the elders laid their hands on him and prayed for him. Now, there's nothing seemingly unusual about that, except for the fact that in this case, John wasn't sick. Nothing was wrong with John at all. John was there as a stand-in for a friend who was too sick to come. That John and his wife, Kathy, have so served this woman, this dear woman in our church, who has suffered greatly for many years. And John and Kathy have served her and walked with her. And every time I've ever seen her in the hospital, John or Kathy has been there. Anytime we've had a prayer session over, John and Kathy have been there. Whatever this woman needs, John and Kathy are there to serve her, not for a month or a few months, but for years. And now in this case where the pain is simply too much and the woman couldn't come, she couldn't leave the hospital, we couldn't go to her, John came on her behalf. And we anointed him with oil and prayed over him trusting that his heart of servanthood for this woman, that God would vicariously count him being there as her being there. True friendship is the heart of a servant serving another person. Third characteristic of a true friend. They are grieved when you are mistreated. Their heart aches when you suffer. Look in verse number 34. 
as Saul continues to advance the idea that he wants to destroy David. Jonathan tries again to talk him out of it, but this time he's unsuccessful. And look what verse 34 says. Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger. On that second day of the month, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. How do you recognize a true friend? It comes out when you're in the midst of suffering. It comes out when you're in the midst of being attacked or persecuted. A true friend feels that pain for you. A true friend grieves at what's bothering you. That in many ways they hurt almost as much as you do. Perhaps sometimes in some weird way even a little more for what you're going through. I love this quote by Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen says, when we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives mean the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. The friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing, and face with us the reality of our own powerlessness. That is a friend who cares. Fourth characteristic of a true friend, and this one is the most important. A true friend loves sacrificially. Jump up just a couple of verses in our passage. Verses 31 and 32. This is the statement that Saul makes that causes Jonathan so much pain. Saul says to his own son, sorry, verse 30. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan. He said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send and bring him to me for he must die. Saul's absolutely right. If Jonathan would just quit helping David, Jonathan would be the king. He's the oldest son of the current king. He's a great warrior. People love him. The Lord is with him. If Jonathan would stop keeping David alive, he could be the king. And Jonathan knows this. He'll say in chapter 23 the same thing to David. But Jonathan is not interested in what's in his best interests. He wants what's in the Lord's best interests and what in David's best interests. And Jonathan is willingly laying down the kingship so that he might give it to his friend, David. This is an act of great sacrificial love. I think three years ago, I was away on a trip and there was a very nasty flu virus that went through our house like wildfire. All of our kids got it, 
and there was, uh, I think, vomiting every few hours or so for multiple days. Lisa got it so bad that she ended up in the emergency room because of dehydration. When she got back from the emergency room, there was a friend from the church who had come in and cleaned the entire house, knowing full well, as you know, that she herself was going to get sick, and she did. There was another friend who canceled all of her evening plans for that week and moved in with my wife and four little kids to take care of them during that time. That's sacrificial love. The love that says not what's in my best interest, but what's in your best interest. The love that says, how can I serve you? How can I help you? The love that is grieved when someone is mistreated. The love that stands up for them when they are being attacked. The love that says you're more important than I am. That's what true friendship is. That when we have an undivided heart for God, he gives us an undivided heart for others. Now I have an assignment for you. I consciously chose to preach this sermon from the perspective of David rather than from the perspective of Jonathan. What I mean by that is I felt compelled by the Lord to preach this sermon on the basis of how do you recognize true friendship rather than how do you be a true friend. You see, it's David who is receiving friendship. David is the one who's being defended. David is the one who is being served. David is the one who is being grieved over. David is the one who is being loved sacrificially. And I've preached the sermon this morning from the perspective of David. Now get me right. David will also love Jonathan sacrificially. That after Jonathan dies, David will go to great lengths to bless Jonathan's son, even at great cost to David showing that true friendship lasts beyond the grave. But as I prayed through this passage, I felt compelled to preach it, not from Jonathan's point of view, but from David's. How do we recognize true friendship? And you know what? That's the easier perspective sometimes. It's easier to receive friendship. But to be honest, if we're going to play the part of David, then we have to play it to its fullest extent. Because while David is receiving friendship from Jonathan in this story, there is one thing that David does do for Jonathan. It's in verse number 41. It says, after the boy had gone, Jonathan, David, sorry, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together. But notice this phrase. But David wept the most. What's going on here is when you go back and you read through this passage on your own, you're going to find that Jonathan realizes there's no way to turn his father's anger away from David. And so he, deser- he determines to help David escape. And the two of them come up with this elaborate plan. It's got, it's got stuff with shooting arrows and cryptic phrases and all this stuff so that David can stay way off in the field and Jonathan can stay near the city. And the reason they come up with this whole plan is so that David can hear the message without coming into visual sight so that he can leave and he can leave in safety. He's off in hiding right now. And when you're reading this passage and you go, okay, we got all these arrows being shot and cryptic messages being passed back and forth and their, 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 their plan works. 
David gets the message without anybody knowing that he's hiding in the field. And then all of a sudden you come to this verse and you think, David, what are you doing? He throws the whole espionage thing away because he comes out of hiding. And instead of running the other direction, he runs to Jonathan. And that's because at this moment, David doesn't care whether he lives or dies. He must express his gratitude to Jonathan. And so he throws the whole plan away. He's not sure if he'll ever see Jonathan again. And so he will not leave that place until he says thank you. And so he comes and he finds Jonathan and they weep together because there is this deep love. But David weeps more. And this is the assignment that I have for you and I today. If we're going to truly play the role of David, then we need to play it to its fullest, which means the assignment that I have for you is that if God has placed a Jonathan in your life, if God has given you a true friend, someone who has stood up for you, someone who has served you, someone who has suffered with you, someone who has loved you sacrificially, then our assignment this week is to write that person a note and to tell them so. Not an email, not a text. <laughs> Go to the store, buy a card, and write a note. If David is going to go to all of these links to say thank you, then surely the Lord is telling us that we must do the same. One of the great gifts of God to us in the midst of suffering is a true friend. This is how God communicates his presence to us. This is how he tells us, look, you're not alone. I've not left you to fight this by yourself, whether it's a health concern or a ministry problem or a family situation or something at work or whatever. Friends are one of the ways that God says, I'm with you, I'm near to you. And in David's case, he would have never made it through this persecution and suffering without this great gift from God of Jonathan. And if you have a Jonathan in your life, somebody who has come alongside of you whose soul is united with your soul, who has been for you a true friend, not a surface friend, not a Facebook friend, not somebody that you just have common interests with, but someone who has given themselves for you, then it's our job to play the part of David. And no matter what, to say thank you. And so my assignment for each of us today is if God has given you that Jonathan, to write them a note this week, this week, not next week, this week, and tell them, just like David did. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the Jonathans in our lives. Lord, we sometimes think that when we go through difficult things that you're far from us, that you're invisible. But Lord, you incarnate yourself in the friends that you put in our lives. Lord, it is true what you've told us in your word that one friend from you is worth more than a million Facebook friends. God, we thank you that you have not left us alone, but you have provided people in our lives like Jonathan who love us and serve us and help us and defend us and suffer with us. 
God, our gratitude to them is really our gratitude to you. And Lord, as we write these notes to our friends this week, Lord, we're saying thank you to you. Thank you for the friends that you have given to us. Lord, it is a divine gift from you and we praise you for it. God, you are good to us and you are kind to us. You never leave us or forsake us. God, you grant to us your grace and the persons of dear friends and we thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray, amen.